Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. In our quest to lower emissions, hydrogen has an important role to play and we can find a way to produce it efficiently. Now, batteries, wind turbines, solar panels, these are all great, but they're not super useful for planes or ships. Hydrogen, though, has great potential. If we can find a way to produce it that doesn't result in lots of CO2 emissions or byproducts like chlorine gas or wasting valuable resources like water, this week we'll find out about clean ways to produce hydrogen green. As our world tries to transition to a cleaner footing, we're always looking for really powerful sources of energy that are easy to produce, cost-effective to make, easy to store, and have a good power-to-weight ratio. Now, one of the reasons that's really important is the transport industry. If you think about the amount of emissions in our globe, a lot of it is in fixed assets, things like factories or homes, but a lot of our emissions also come from energy used for mobile equipment. And I'm not just talking cars, I'm talking things that are essential for the function of an interconnected globe, like planes or shipping or transport like trucks. Now, in a big country like Australia, this is a huge amount of our emissions, and it's a big issue to try and solve because heavy batteries aren't necessarily the best solution. You can charge them through solar power or wind turbines, but the actual weight of the battery means you have to carry more batteries to compensate for the weight, and eventually there's a tipping point, which for heavy goods transport is not really there. And by that, I'm not talking about necessarily trucks, I'm thinking bigger, like boats or aeroplanes, things where weight, every little gram, is incredibly important. So if you're going to carry kilograms and kilograms of weight, you have to make sure it's really working for you. And at the moment, the battery technology that we have makes that a little bit difficult in that setting. So we use still very polluting fossil fuels for those particular needs, which isn't great for the environment. So no matter what we do in personal electric vehicles, the electric plane, though it is taking some small steps, is a long way away, at least in a large-scale setting. Small planes, Cessna's type, a couple of 5 to 10 seaters doing 45 minutes flights, that sweet spot makes sense because the power-to-weight ratio is less important. But flying overseas, like you would have to do in Australia to get to literally anywhere else in the world, is very, very difficult. There's no train that you can take to do so, and a boat would have exactly the same problem. So transport is a really big challenge, getting that power density right. And the solution is not really putting nukes on everything, that also makes it much more trickier. So one of the reasons why people are so fascinated by hydrogen is the potential for it to have a pretty efficient power-to-weight ratio that would make it suitable, not necessarily for personal transport, but definitely for heavy-duty transport. It's easy to store, dangerous to store in some settings, sure, but hydrogen fuel cells and hydrogen fuel would enable large things like boats or planes to have a pretty straightforward way of getting transport. The problem is, hydrogen can be produced in a variety of ways, and you might have heard of all the varying colours of hydrogen. Now, there are some that even I wasn't aware of. Things like green hydrogen make sense. They're pretty self-explanatory. They're something that's produced hydrogen, that is, with only renewable electricity as its source, and it uses water electrolysis and electricity to fuel that, but specifically renewable electricity. 
The idea here being that this hydrogen has been produced with no CO2 emissions in the production process. Let's ignore how you make all the equipment to make the CO2 in the first place, all the power plants that they're using, but just in the production process, no CO2 is required. In contrast, blue hydrogen is hydrogen that you get from fossil fuels, but some fossil fuels that you've managed to carbon capture and store. So in theory, there's no CO2 emitted, but that depends on how good your carbon capture and storage or carbon sequestration is. It's trying to be carbon neutral, it's better than nothing, but it's not still great. Now, there's a couple of others like grey, brown and black, that's where you just burn the fuel, often different types of coal, and then use the gasification process of this coal to produce your hydrogen. This is a pretty cheap and amazing way to produce lots of hydrogen really quickly, but is also incredibly polluting. Pretty much also mostly what we do at the moment. So it has pretty much the highest CO2 emissions. Then you get through the turquoise, purple, pink. These are all ones that are based around either chemical or nuclear power plants as their energy source and are pretty special and cool, but not as renewable as, say, using it purely from renewable electricity. So these are the colours that you might hear floating around hydrogen. Most of the time, though, we're talking about green as opposed to brown, or maybe some consideration around purple and blue as some alternatives to green. Now, this is all important work that's being done to try and classify and set standards for how we generate our hydrogen. Because if we're going to use hydrogen fuel cells, which may make sense for some certain key applications, then we need to have a good way of producing it that's not just going to create more emissions. There's something really important that you also have to remember. It's not good enough just to think about the carbon emissions. There's other things at play here too. For example, how you get your hydrogen or your stocks from your electrolysis process. Are you using fresh water? Because while we don't want to put CO2 in the atmosphere, fresh water is also really important, especially for places suffering with drought and freshwater shortages. And if you want to get fresh water, then you often have to do a hell of a lot of treatment of that water to purify it such that you have fresh water. And that also is more energy intensive. More energy intensive means, well, potentially also more carbon dioxide emissions somewhere in that chain. So what you use as your stock is important. Another thing is if you rely on a catalyst, because a catalyst can be produced with all kinds of complex rare earth metals. So the type of catalyst you use and the production process for making that catalyst is also a really big contributor to the overall emissions landscape, if you want to think about it in another way. So to produce hydrogen cleanly, we need a lot of things to go right. And we need to not just get focused solely on carbon emissions, we need to remember the bigger picture. And that's what researchers from RMIT in Melbourne have been diving into. A way to tackle some of these challenges around producing hydrogen, green hydrogen, some of the other negative effects or byproducts that might be produced. So this research comes out of the Materials for Clean Energy Environment, MC2E, group at RMIT, with PhD candidate Serge Lumba publishing in the journal Small, along with a large list of collaborators from the rest of that research lab, on a new way of producing 
by using a source for production that's a bit more readily available than pure fresh water. And this innovative method has been proved in a lab scale and would aim to try and get the cost of production for hydrogen down to where it's competitive sources. Now, let's start with the basic problem when you're trying to produce hydrogen via electrolysis. You need water. Now, fresh water, pure water, is really good. It doesn't have salts and it doesn't have bugs in it, microbes or small particulates. And this makes it really easy and efficient to use when doing electrolysis. You don't end up with unwanted stuff, either blocking your catalyst or making your catalyst less effective. All of this lowers your overall efficiency and makes it more expensive, is another way to think about it, of producing that pure hydrogen. So that's why people like to use fresh water. But the problem is, lots of things also want fresh water for many other purposes. On the other hand, if you consider seawater, which is 96-97% of Earth's total water resources, it would make way more sense to use that. It's so abundant. Why wouldn't you want to use it? Well, direct electrolysis of seawater is really tricky because it's full of salts and other impurities and microbes. And traditionally, the process has been to take that seawater and then desalinate it to purify it, and that is pretty problematic. Now, that would have way more carbon dioxide emissions or energy-intensive operations required, but if you don't, if you use just straight-up seawater and do electrolysis on it, you end up with chlorine as your byproduct. Now, chlorine is not great to have, and the simple way to think about it is you may be avoiding CO2 emissions, but you're ending up with chlorine emissions, and chlorine is kind of useful in some industrial processes, but you would make you know, four times more than we could ever possibly think of using it. So you end up from trading one waste product to another, and this production of chlorine is more to do with all of the anions and salts that you have that just live in seawater that salt, that knackle as well, that CL's got to go somewhere. So what methods could be used to avoid this excess of chlorine and still end up with actually something made out of seawater, electrolysis producing hydrogen out of seawater? So that's what researchers like Shiraj were actually trying to dive into. But the trick for these researchers lies in the development of a catalyst. And in the development of catalysts, it's really important. You don't want to make something which is incredibly costly to produce or difficult to scale. That's how other seawater approaches have been done in the past. So they focused on standard industrial chemical processes that could be easily scaled up. And that led them to doping a nitro with nitrogen a porous sheet. Now, these kind of sheet-based productions are really easy to scale. You can take advantage of nitrogen strong metal metal bonds and you basically create this, this coated sheet with particular surface patterns and features in an industrial process that is similar and very familiar to many other types of chemical etching type techniques. So this technique is all based around producing a particularly nitrogen doped sheet and that sheet acts as the basis for the catalyst. The presence of the nickel on this and nitrogen together with molybdenum to enhance the conductivity and really focus the electrolysis process in areas where you want it. Plus, having nitrogen in it with the strong metal nitrogen bonds gives it some boosts against, well, the fact that you're putting it into an incredibly corrosive environment in seawater. So you've got to balance all of these things off against each other 
and you make these really cool sheets as a result. It basically means you have enhanced chemistry, fancy shape or morphology on the surface, which helps build surface area and trap the process in the way as you want it. And all these work together to make a catalyst that's really efficient and good at surviving harsh environments. They did 100 hour tests on these things and found it held up in seawater really well compared to other catalysts which degraded amazingly, like down to 5% of productivity left on that catalyst after 100 hours. In contrast, these special sheets based method is actually does much, much better. Now, all of this is to say this is a lab concept and there's still a long way to go. But it's innovative research like this that takes a problem that we have, how to generate hydrogen cleanly to meet our energy needs, but takes a big picture view that says, okay, what do we have available? Lots of seawater, okay. But how can we produce things in a way that's not going to produce other byproducts and create a new problem or require really expensive rare earth metals that are often very carbon intensive to produce? So all of these things combined with this research from RMIT is published in the journal small outlines a way that they believe they could get to production of green hydrogen at around the two dollar a kilogram target that that's what australia government's target has been set at that's where they believe you need to be to be competitive against fossil fuel sourced hydrogen now we're not there yet and we're still a long way away from this being a wide scale rolled out process but it shows that it can be possible to do this it doesn't abandon the need to produce electricity and renewable sources in other ways and it's not a zero-sum game this is not competing against solar power or wind power a way to produce energy which is needed for certain applications particularly around transport and infrastructure so this is some great research from a university in australia rmit in melbourne published in the journal small with lead author shoraj lumba this has been the young scientist of australia's podcast lagrange point Special sheet paint methods, we can produce hydrogen in cleaner ways from seawater that doesn't revolve nasty chlorine emissions as well as CO2. Some great research from Australia. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.